hello and welcome to the Women Who Work podcast. I'm Alexandra, known as Alzi. And I'm Joy. Women Who Work is a non-profit organisation to support and encourage women returning to work from maternity leave and beyond. And this is our very first podcast. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we, along with every other woman and her dog, it seems, have decided to set up a podcast. Uh, but in truth, we thought it would be a really useful resource and a way to hear and share the stories of other women who've returned to work following maternity leave um, to gain inspiration and also to get some practical tips. We have some really fantastic guests lined up with you who are going to share their experiences and try to bring some of this to life. I cannot wait to hear from some mums that have been through it, coped with the family challenges and also succeeded in their careers because Alzi and I are not experts and we need the help as much as anyone else. Absolutely. <laughs> Alzi and I met whilst on maternity leave at an NCT equivalent group. We loved the forum of bringing women together in the NCT format and we wanted to replicate that, but focused on women who are returning to work from maternity leave. Because let's face it, we all need a group of women who we can talk all the challenges through with. Joy and I both have one child each, and we're also both pregnant again. So we're about to go through the whole maternity leave, return to work. And so we're all very much in the same boat. And as Joy said, we need the help and support just as much as you do. We posted something on Facebook a while ago about work and one of the responders said a very apt comment that we really enjoyed, which was that they feel like they're mothering and also doing a full-time job with L plates on. And we that really resonated with us. We are exact same boat. All in the same boat. <laughs> That's why we all, we all want to join together and have a network that we can talk about these issues because, frankly, it's not easy, but it's doable. Exactly. And we're all in it together. And we think that's something that you know, is really important to get across, that we have camaraderie and we have a sisterhood and we are all encouraging and supporting each other to have the best outcomes. Precisely. So I know, well, we've both gone back to work and I know that Alzi has been promoted to director. Congratulations. Thank what? you. Blushing. <laughs> what a trick. Gosh, I wish I could tell you that there was some sort of trick. I think what I did do that, that worked for me was that I wasn't shy about asking to be promoted either before I went away or indeed once I came back. And I think that definitely helped because it showed commitment and it showed confidence in the fact that I felt like I deserved a promotion and was capable of taking on more responsibility. And also I'm really lucky that I work in a really supportive company and my boss is very supportive. I've been there nearly 10 years, which I think also helps. I had a lot of goodwill built up. I mean, I know some people are in slightly different situations with newer jobs, but certainly having that goodwill from my team and from the management, I think really helped me. But I think the key thing was having the confidence to keep asking, even though it feels a bit awkward because you've been away and you've come back. But just have the confidence to, to put yourself forward. And is there, there anything that you did specifically or they did to support you? Yeah, I mean, my boss is hugely supportive. We get on very well. He's also had four kids, so he's he's been through it. Although he hasn't obviously had maternity leave himself, he really gets it, which is fantastic. 
one thing my company did when I said I was going on maternity leave, one thing I did rather is looking at the maternity leave policy. And I think I'm guilty as many other people are of not really looking at that policy until it really does apply to you. Until I was pregnant, I hadn't paid any attention to it whatsoever. No one in my role in my company had been on maternity leave for a decade. So outdated. (laughs) (laughs) I work in an investment management company and although they are hugely supportive of women, it's by its nature male-dominated. That's a whole other issue, which we might get onto another time. But it's naturally male-dominated, which means that there aren't a huge number of people going off on maternity leave. So the maternity leave policy hadn't really been reviewed. And when I looked at it, I felt like, you know, from hearing anecdotally from friends, that we were lagging behind our competitors. And I drew this to the attention of my management team and said, look, I think we're lagging behind. I think this is not going to be good in terms of attracting and keeping talent. And I think we should do better as a company. Pay me more. (laughs) (laughs) And pay all the other women more as well. Um, Really put our money where our mouth is as a company. You know, we say we support women. Let's put that into action and portrayed the you know the ways that would be really good for the company not just that would be really good for me personally and really luckily I was pushing at a complete ball. they were really on board really supportive changed policy rolled it out actually gave a slightly better policy than the one I'd suggested and funny enough I'd got some help and advice from other women who'd done the same kind of thing recently in similar firms just a really good example to me of how we need to share information and experience with each other to know that this is something you can do. This is something that companies are willing to do if you'll ask. And just share methods and ways of doing it because it can be done. Absolutely. Good for you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do We do all need to look at our maternity policies. It is a fact of life if you do want a family. And it is better to look earlier rather than later. Um, we'll come on to probably a bit about how I had to negotiate our maternity policy as well. Um, being a lawyer, it's a, it's a slightly different environment. But um, like Alsi, we managed, to, we managed to get it changed. So Alsi mentioned um, that you had a, a great a great support at your firm, but it is it is naturally male dominated. Was there was there any support from other women who'd been there and done that? Are there are there more senior women in in your firm or your industry? Yeah, there are there are some senior women in the firm in the industry, but I think by nature of their rarity, it's less easy to sort of strike up that camaraderie and a group mentality. And actually, the, many of the people who really supported me were those I worked most closely with. You know, namely my boss, who obviously is male, but was really generally on board and supportive. But I think for me, that's one of the reasons I really want to make women who work a success and provide to fill this gap that I think a lot of women have, particularly those that work in generally male-dominated industries. Yeah, I, I do find it difficult because often, depending on the industry you're in, there can be very few female role models that you look up to and think, gosh, yes, they've got a family they've also really successfully navigated their career and now are at the top of their game. And sometimes some of the women who are in those positions, who are much older and and possibly at the end of their careers, sometimes they will talk the talk about bringing other women up and trying to promote younger women. But they don't always demonstrate that in practice. And I think the reason is, and to be clear, that it's not every woman who's senior, but 
certainly there have been there are some that I've experienced and I know others have experienced and they're women who are towards the end of their careers but to get there they have had to fight tooth and nail because back in the day they didn't have any of the privileges that we have so for example they didn't have maternity leave cover and that wasn't an option and obviously maternity leave cover shouldn't is not a privilege it shouldn't be considered one um but it wasn't available to them so from their perspective yes it is a privilege um and there were other challenges they had to navigate which we perhaps take for granted these days so the women who got to the top of their careers in in what used to be a very very male dominated environment 20 30 years ago have had had to, have viciously had to fight to get there so how their view of the world is is that if there are 10 seats in the boardroom there's only one that goes to a woman and therefore we have to make sure we keep that and don't let it, others try and take it away from us whereas actually we should be looking at it and thinking gosh let's make five of those seats in the boardroom for women let's bring others up alongside us absolutely at least five at least five <laughs> let's make 10 all women why not have all women run companies and and so those women are you know not through kind of fault of their own but just through society that they've the way they've had to battle to get to where they are and you know everyone massively respects them for having done that but actually, we need a sort of, in a way, some a new generation pushing up and showing or demonstrating to them that we can also do it in this day and age. And we can ha we can fill these seats in the boardroom. There are going to be more women available for promotion. And we just want to encourage more women to, to push themselves forward whilst having families. Yeah, and I think, you know, talking about asking to review your, your maternity leave policy or talking to your company about these things, the more companies hear these requests and questions from employees and potential employees you know the more they're going to respond to them and understand that this is something really important to get and keep really good talent and actually when we were thinking about setting up woman who work we ran a survey asking a number of questions to try and help to pick out if the kind of experiences and issues that joy and i had had were relevant to other people and two of the stats that came out on this topic that i think are really salient one is that only a third of people have a role model within their company that they can look for for help and advice and support. And a quarter don't feel like they have anyone to ask for that help, advice and support. So I think it's really important to help try and plug that gap effectively. Uh, yeah, I think it's astounding yeah. that there's 25% of women who don't feel they have someone that can they can turn to. That, that needs to change. You know, we all need to have other women in our industry who you know not even necessarily in the industry but within professional services generally who you can turn to who you can be inspired by and who you can see have done it and succeeded in it and we haven't gone into that much detail about why we set up women who work or the kind of the drivers behind it but I think it will come out from this podcast and hopefully it comes out also from our from our blog which is on our website um or multiple blogs that are on our website um, we want to encourage people to push forward their careers and we want to encourage ambitious women to have families and proceed with their careers and not put them on ice because there's no need to. And Aldi and I are both very driven um, and we want to 
get to the top of our careers if if at all possible. Alzi's already fur- much further ahead than I am, given her promotion. <laughs> <laughs> but one day. Um, but but going backwards a bit, Alzi, tell me about the other challenges you've you've come across. So some of the other things I found difficult that I I think chimed with other people, having discussed it and spoken to a few more people about it. One thing that's really difficult, and actually there's a brilliant blog on our website um, that you can have a read, you know, of a similar experience, is the decision of when to go back. It's very complicated and it's difficult to know exactly what you're going to want in the future, how your baby's going to be, what you're going to feel about work, how you're going to be physically. All these sorts of things are sort of playing in your mind. And the only sort of things I knew is I, I wanted my baby to be well and sleeping through and sort of capable and comfortable before I went back to work and I also felt I wasn't going to take a full year but I didn't really know where between those two lines I was going to fall and to be perfectly honest with you I had a I had a frank conversation with my boss where he was sort of asking me when do you think you're going to go back what are your plans and admittedly you know you're not supposed to have these you're not forced to have these conversations but in my personal experience it was very worthwhile and effectively, I just plumped for a date. I wish it was more scientific than that. But I really just did choose a time that I thought was going to work. And thankfully, it all played out all right. But having said that, you know, I'd been on maternity leave and met a few people, including Joy, through a bump and baby group and other things like that. It was relatively challenging to meet people because we were in full-blown lockdown oh, I can't. <laughs> Such bad yeah lockdown for six months of maternity leave yeah is not the dream so when I did go back a lot of those people that I'd met and made friends with weren't yet going back they were having another you know five six months off and I did find that quite isolating and it made me sort of question my decision and wonder if it was the right thing to do so that I found really challenging just sort of feeling like I was a bit out on a limb and a bit different from everyone else. Yeah, and didn't you go back on the day that the pubs opened? I did. I did. <laughs> you couldn't write it, honestly. The day I went, it was the 14th of April or whatever it was, pubs and restaurants opened, I started full-time work, and my husband went on paternity leave. He was laughing. He was in the pub every day. Yeah, you really didn't plan that well. It was not <laughs> great. <laughs> I'm not sure quite how I managed that. But actually, handing over to my husband for a couple of months, he took shared parental leave, took over for two, three months. And that was fantastic. I mean, he was also plowing a furrow because no one in his team had ever taken shared parental leave before. So he also made his own way, which I think is fantastic. And also great from the perspective of I went back to work a bit earlier without having to pay for childcare. And um, he and my daughter had a great bond and he sort of became the one in charge you know telling me what to do whereas before then it always been me saying oh this is the time she goes for a nap and this is how much milk she should have and suddenly he knew all of that stuff and I was I think it's so critical this this men having paternity leave and at Women Who Work we've got two long-term goals one which is making childcare tax deductible which we will definitely come on to and talk about in more detail in other podcasts. But two is normalising paternity leave. The only way we're going to be truly equal is if men start taking paternity leave in the way women have to take maternity leave and so that we both have equal gaps in our careers or breaks in our careers at the same time when we have children. And that will, I think, just equalise society so much 
And so it's amazing that your husband did that. I think it's such a it's such a great thing to have done. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. I think you're right. Long term would be fantastic. I think for for everyone, for the kids as well, to spend more time with their dads and for us to be able to go back to work sooner for a hundred percent. And I think for also for I think it's very important for men to realise that maternity leave isn't just an extended holiday. Yeah. I, I've I've written a blog on this as well, which is on our website, womenwhowork.org.uk. And for me, I didn't love maternity leave. Interesting. It wasn't, I, I mean, it didn't help that we were in lockdown, obviously, uh, for six months of it. So all you could do was meet one person for a walk in the park. When it in inevitably <laughs> When it was raining and in winter. So there were no play dates inside, no play groups open. It was quite grim and bleak. It was. And so my maternity leave ended up being quite monotonous. And even when things did open up, I, I, I didn't love it. And I'm, I think there are others out there who feel the same. I mean, certainly since saying that out loud, I've heard a number of other women say it. But interestingly... I hadn't heard anyone say that whilst I was on that leave. Mm. So I was feeling incredibly guilty, thinking, gosh, what is wrong with me for not enjoying maternity leave? I must be the worst mother in the world. And and to be clear, it's not because I didn't love moments of it, you know, spending all that time with my daughter and seeing all those special moments when they first smile, etc., and having that bond is incredible. But overall, it's quite mundane. And I hadn't heard anyone else say that they didn't love it or didn't like it. And actually, if someone had just said to me, you know what, maternity leave isn't for everyone, particularly if you've had a career for a decade or so, and you're used to learning and being challenged every day. Actually, it is a bit of a challenge. It's a a massive shift um, of, of priorities and dynamics. And so one of the reasons that I in particular wanted to set up this network was to say out loud to women who are, who, you know, women who have worked in professional services, who challenge themselves every day to say, look, it's totally normal and okay if you don't love maternity leave. It doesn't mean that you're a bad mum or that there's, you know, there's any, any kind of anything along that line that you might be thinking in your head, because actually it's so normal and when you go from kind of quite a high pressure job to the life of nappies, dishwashers, washing, yeah, with a little human who can't talk to you is quite isolating. Yeah. And it is, it's very normal that not everyone loves it. So women who might be thinking about going on maternity leave, do not worry if it isn't for you. It's not something that everyone has to love. But it would be great if men also experienced that. <laughs> totally agree. And something else that is really important to both of us to try and normalise, and again, say out loud, is that Joy and I have both gone back full time five days a week. And in the survey that we ran, over half of the people who responded are also back five days a week. And again, that's the default expectation is that you might go back part time or four days, whatever it is. But there are a lot of women who've gone back five days a week and again it's doable and it's, it's so doable it's you know it's fa- it's great I'm so happy to be back we, five days a week me too it's it's the best thing and 
we want to shout about it, hence the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> because we want to say to other women, you know, this is so doable. And actually, so many women I speak to have undersold themselves because they've gone back four days because of society pressure or otherwise, where a lot of other women, particularly women, sadly, seem to say, oh gosh, you're going back five days. Are you sure? You know, there's there's this this society a societal expectation and that you should have at least one day off of your child a week in addition to the weekend. But actually that means a woman's being paid 20% less and they're also in, they're also doing 20% less work, presumably. But that doesn't always happen. So often you're being paid 20% less to cram a five-day week into four days. So you're incredibly stressed for four days and you've undersold yourself because you're not being paid what you should have been paid. Yeah. And actually to be on a level playing field of men and to be able to compete with them and to be promoted at the same time, like at the same times as them, we need to be working the same hours as them. And so we need to be available five days a week. And there's lots of other ways of doing it. And I know that firms are so flexible, which is great when they are, and it's totally up to the individual. But Alzi and I, having gone back five days, just want to say, we think it's great. There are other women who think it's great. And it's not something that's odd or a minority decision absolutely and as joy says it's not for everyone we're not advocating it for everyone but for people who've poured a huge amount of their careers done professional qualifications worked really hard for however long decade you know to then feel like you want to go back don't be put off by people giving that oh my goodness I had the same thing about childcare when I went back to work and my husband was also back we put my daughter into full-time nursery which has been a fantastic success it's worked really well for us but those first few weeks back at work, when obviously you're still feeling a bit nervous and you don't know how nervous she's going to turn out and they're a bit upset and all sorts of things. And people in my office would come up to me and say, oh, have you found a lovely nanny to look after your daughter? And I'd say, oh, no, she's actually in nursery full time. They'd look at me and say, nursery? I didn't even think they took children that young. But then I just feel my pit in my stomach. I'd think, oh, my God, I'm doing the wrong thing. And my daughter's going to be... Oh, a woman who says that. <laughs> And yeah, often older generations as well, who just aren't sort of au fait with current childcare setups or the cost of nannies. Yeah, and just feel like every worry that you'd had about it all sort of comes to the surface. I mean, now I've got such a thick skin about it because she's been in the nursery nearly a year and she loves it, works really well for us. It's, you know, a fantastic option that's, that we've really enjoyed, as, as does she. So I'm now very much more thick skinned about it. But you don't have a lot of conviction at the start because you don't you haven't been through it and you don't know what it's going to be like, what your kids like, how they're going to respond. So it's a lot harder at the start to have a high level of conviction, especially when you're sleep deprived, which I definitely was when I first went back to work. Yeah, I'm so glad nursery's been a massive, a massive success for you. And that's one of the reasons that Asia and I thought it would be great to set this network up together because we've both got different childcare solutions. It sounds as though I think from this podcast that we live incredibly similar lives, both having a child at the same time, going back to work full time, and then both being pregnant with our second, (laughs) incidentally due around similar time, um, not planned. (laughs) Um, But one point of difference to note is that we both have different childcare solutions. So I have a nanny, a full-time nanny, which is amazing and we've loved it. It's such a luxury until 
they either resign or are ill. <laughs> <laughs> so I would thoroughly recommend it um, in general. But speaking from someone whose nanny resigned about a month ago, <laughs> um, it, it can be a real challenge when that happens because you're so over-reliant on one person. And equally, when they're ill, it's a real struggle. Um, it, your sort of the, your world, your very smooth world, sort of falls apart. But the positives of having a nanny are tremendous. Um, it, it is, as Elsie mentions, incredibly expensive. And the way my husband and I have viewed it is as an investment into our careers. So we hope that in time we'll obviously be promoted and earn more such that we will actually be able to afford it more easily. Um, but it does bring such benefits and calm to your house in terms of, you know, there's a lot of extras such as um, they do the housework, you come back to a nice clean kitchen, etc. cetera. Um, they cook food for your child for the weekends. They're doing the, you know, they batch cook in the freezer. Um, they do all our washing. Um, so, and, and our, our daughter loves it. She's, um, she sleeps very well at home and we did actually try nursery, nursery in, in the first instance, but it didn't work out for us because she just got very sleep deprived. She wasn't sleeping. She started then having some sort of separation anxiety where she was waking every two hours I think if your child doesn't need any sleep in the day which Alzi's doesn't it's great um and actually now we would love nursery nursery um because she's that that much older but um we put her in at 10 months originally full-time and I think it was just a bit much for her um having also come out of of lockdown um, so we went down the nanny route and, you know, we do love it, but, but as I say, <laughs> don't ever let them be ill and don't ever let them resign. We've had done on our website, take a look, we've done a sort of nanny versus nursery comparison. Some of the things are, are obvious and you'll inevitably know about anyway, but some of them are a bit more nuanced and like Joy mentioned about some of the housework and the food and things like that, which are a real great benefit of having a nanny. On the other side, with the nursery, you know, you don't have to prepare as much food because they get it at nursery. So there's slightly more nuanced stuff like that, which I think is is hopefully useful. Likewise, we've got a few blogs on there which talk through our decision-making process of how we reached our different decisions on childcare. Definitely check them out, and we'd love to hear your comments as well on them. Um, and if anyone has any other different experiences, we'd love to hear those too. Um, I also wrote a blog on... Uh, the myths of nannies so one of the things that quite astounded me was that a full-time nanny to a nanny is normally around 40 hours a week so four days a week 10 hours a day so if you actually want someone to do normal life full-time <laughs> it can be quite challenging so uh, it makes it harder to find a nanny who who wants to do a sort of 50 55 hour a week uh, is one point to flag so definitely check it out if you're considering that route um, and please do get in contact we'd, we'd love to talk about that more yeah and one thing I'd say from my experience is all you can really do is make the right decisions for now like we mentioned we're definitely not the experts you know, we've only got one kid each people further on their careers may have two three four five goodness knows how many kids but all you can do is make the right decision for today, what feels right now. And if that changes, you know, you've always got the option to change. 
you never locked into anything. You've just got to figure it out and model through effectively because none of us really know entirely what we're doing. No, no, God. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, you know, as I, as I mentioned, we started off nursery five days and for us it just didn't work out. So we just made the decision at that time um, to go down the nanny route and, and we've enjoyed that. But definitely don't rule out uh, her going to nursery in the future. Indeed, I want her to go to nursery in the future. We'll just have to reassess our childcare arrangements with baby number two. And I think that is going to be the subject of another podcast, probably <laughs> talking about what we're going to do and how's that going to work. Um, but, you know, with Annie, as I say, it's an investment into our careers and one hopes that you'll progress and be promoted. Yes, is that on, that on the cards? <laughs> I have been promoted and you have. So. Is that on the cards, Joy? Um, I hope so. So I am pushing forward for a possible promotion at the end of this year. So I don't know if I've mentioned that I'm a lawyer, but I'm a lawyer. <laughs> and it's quite a clear path of progression. Although the more senior you get, the more opaque it gets in terms of how how you can go up those ranks. Um, so I'm hoping to be promoted um, to take effect next year, but at the end of this year. There is obviously a bit of a spanner in the works, potentially, which is baby number two. Uh, but I've ma- tried to make it very clear to my employers that I'm hoping it won't impact or jeopardise my promotion opportunities. because frankly. You know, my firm is a big advocate for women. They talk often about how much they want to increase the women numbers at partnership level. And the only way that they are going to be able to do that is by accepting and acknowledging that women do have to take a break, you know, physically um, whilst having children. So you know, you shouldn't be prejudiced just because you happen to be out for six months at a particular time. I mean, frankly, there's no good time uh, to to go on maternity leave. And so we made the decision to have another child based on what worked for our family. And I think that's how everyone should do it because there's no good time. So even if there was a good time, you can't time it. You you can't time it anyway. Frankly, just crack on with your family life as and as you want and work and firms and industry will just have to get on with it and keep up um and ultimately in the space of a sort of 30 40 year career maternity leave is it's so minimal um and and these firms you know they're hoping to keep you for a long time and and you hope to stay there for a long time yeah and i think it's important to say that you know, once you're experienced in your role and you're a specialist in one way or another, you know, you are important and valuable to these companies. So don't feel worried about, you know, putting yourself forward and trying to negotiate and make it work for you. I have to say the response to the second pregnancy announcement was definitely a bit different to the first. <laughs> Very muted. It was muted. <laughs> on a personal level, everyone's so happy for me. I get on so well with my colleagues and they were all thrilled, of course. But there was a bit more of a, gosh, do we have to, look after that client for you while you're away again this time like what's happening all this sort of thing I think also it's with your friends you know all, all of my friends that we told you know we're obviously super excited massive deal for us so yeah you know you say I'm pregnant again and they're like yeah I know 
<laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> we thought that was going to happen. It's literally the worst response ever. <laughs> it's the worst response. <laughs> it just like totally undermines what is your very exciting news. Joy, you were talking about how your firm is like a great advocate of women and how you know supportive and great they've been, but you haven't actually been there for that long. I think it'd be really helpful for people to hear about a little bit about your decision to move jobs at a time when you know sometimes people think they shouldn't be taking the risk of moving a job when they think about having a, a family how did you sort of come to that decision yeah absolutely it was a huge decision for me so I joined my current firm about two and a half almost three years ago and before that I was at another firm for seven years and it was really one of the hardest decisions I've ever made. I mean, I took about eight months to make it because I wasn't desperate to move. I was, I was comfortable where I was. Uh, but when I, re, you know, when I started interviewing and got offered the the job, ultimately at where I am now, it, it did seem like a very good, you know, it seemed like a great opportunity. It seemed really exciting, but I knew that I wanted to start a family sort of, the year after so I actually went to turn the job down uh to the partners that interviewed me and I said to them look I'm sorry I'm going to have to say no because I don't think it's fair on you or I if I want to start a family quite imminently after joining and I also don't want to be in a worse position financially than where I am now because I've been there seven years and their response was irrelevant. I found that such an amazing response. And granted, the women, it was women who were in those, there were two partners who were both women who had that reaction. And they they said, it won't, it won't be a problem at all. And they're, you know, they want me there for the long term. This isn't, it's irrelevant that I am start wanting to start a family. And so, you know, made the decision all the harder, but ultimately I went for it and, you know, they managed to make it work for me in terms of the maternity policy, et cetera. So the message I want to give to everyone, which I think is hugely important for women in particular, is that if you get offered an opportunity or you think there's a chance of promotion or anything, and you're also worried because you're thinking at some point you want to start a family and you don't know how that's going to interact with the maternity policy, go for it. Do go for it. And if you need to be honest with firms up front, do it. If it means changing the policy in your favour or getting getting an amendment in your contract, do it because there's nothing worse than feeling trapped and men would take these opportunities. If a man was offered a, a promotion opportunity and he knew he was starting a family, I don't think it would factor at all. He would jump at it. And we should be jumping at those chances as well. And I think women have a sort of natural tendency to be apologetic and self-deprecating. But really, this is not the time to be that. We need to have have our families whilst feeling supported by our jobs. And if we're not willing to make sure we're in the right environment for that, then we're, we're just going to find the whole thing a massive challenge. So actually, if opportunities come up, take them. It doesn't matter where in your childcare journey you are, because a good firm who wants to encourage and support women will not mind 
that you intend to start a family or are halfway through your family journey. That's yeah. not an issue. And I think, you know, from speaking to you, I think we've both been really lucky with our firms in terms of the way they've been supportive and, you know, felt that they've really valued us and, you know, supported us. It'd be really interesting to hear from anyone who's had the other experience, which is, you know, a firm that hasn't provided that support or they haven't felt they've been able to be honest or talk about these things. It would be, I think, really valuable to share that experience. So if there's anyone listening who has had a more negative or challenging experience, then we'd love you to come on the podcast or write a blog for us to you know, help women who are going through what you've been through. Yes, please come on. We need to hear your experiences. And there's no experience too, too unhelpful, you know, any anything. You know, I've spoken to quite a lot of single mothers who have progressed their careers and have come out the other side. Um, I, there's a few blogs on our website from Indeed, a single mother. Um, incredibly inspiring. So if they can do it, we can do it. Absolutely. Because if you've got a supportive um, partner, that's a massive, massive step in the right, the right direction because women who are doing it without that. So it is totally doable, as we said from the beginning. <laughs> and one thing that we're going to hope to do at Women Who Work, it's sort of the next step in our journey. So we started by starting the organisation. We've moved on to blogs. We're now on to the, the joyous world of podcasts. Everyone's loving hearing voices. Like it's out. <laughs> well, let's hope they're recording this time because we must admit the first time we tried to record it, we had some who knew that starting a podcast was the hardest thing in the entire world this is about round 50 yeah we've had some technical difficulties let's put it that way um not and we're recording this in the same room but also who knew that apparently podcasts are better better done not in the same room so we're gonna we're gonna have the podcast which i think is gonna be really helpful and great like bite-sized ways to hear about other women's experiences when on the tube or commuting or when you're going on one of your many walks on maternity leave trying to help your baby go to sleep and one of the next things we're going to set up is a mentoring program where we're going to team up people who are on or going on maternity leave with people who've returned to really help provide that insight and support hopefully within the same industry not only for support when you're going through it, but also for longer term networking. I think it's been really helpful. So that's sort of the next step in the process that we're hoping to bring to you. 100%. And we want to do cohorts so mm. that we can, if you're, so, so as we've said, this is focused on women in professional services. So if you're going back, um, we want to put you in a cohort of sort of eight to 10 other women who are going back at a similar time in professional services so that you've got this kind of immediate group that you can go for lunch with or coffee with and hear their experiences and share them. Um, and we'll, we'll all be in the same boat together. Yeah, much like you have with your NCT group or Bump and Baby or whatever. And we have that sort of camaraderie of texting when you're doing night feet in the middle of the night. <laughs> we'll hopefully have the same thing where you text each other the people's first day back in the office seeing how they're doing that sort of thing just to plug the gap of of the support and camaraderie that we really all need yeah and when you just mentioned commuting then and listening to podcasts I just suddenly remembered that during the pandemic both Alzi and I were pregnant and in 2020 and gosh it was the dream being pregnant in the pandemic <laughs> it was if you're able to work from home for your pregnancy, do it because it was fantastic. You didn't have to buy any pregnancy clothes. Yeah. Didn't have to do the commute. 
no one could see you. So you just could hide behind, you know, you could just say you're Even though you were pregnant. Even though you were pregnant. So you just sort of disappeared and then returned a year later or whatever with a child. But no one had even reali- really realised you'd gone. Yeah. It was wonderful. Um, but this time around, it's obviously a different story. <laughs> yeah, very much a different story, especially because they're trying so hard to encourage people to come back into the office. So I know. bringing things back on the agenda. Well, I really thought that we, we might have... Uh, got into kind of full-time working from home given how much of a success it was but clearly not sadly not those expensive London properties aren't uh, going to pay for themselves are they no I know and there's lots of incentives we've got free coffee at our firm oh that's great like very good decaf (laughs) (laughs) I mean we actually have a proper you know proper barista um free you know frappuccinos coffee I mean it is real perk (laughs) So one thing we're going to do at the end of all of our podcasts is ask our guests to give us their biggest high and their biggest low. To kick things off, obviously this is an introductory one for you to get to know me and Joy, but I'll throw over to Joy to give us her biggest high and biggest low. Biggest high, I think, is probably going back to work. (laughs) I'm really on brand. Getting, (laughs) yes, but getting that sense of, independence self-worth confidence all of those things back was amazing and just being able to go and have a coffee or go out for lunch you know without making plans it felt so freeing I remember the first time I emerged from Piccadilly Circus Tube my first commute back into the office and it was a really sunny day and it felt like a scene from a movie where like the sun shines down on somebody and like I could hear like birds singing (laughs) just felt so free so free and you know I love my daughter to bears but frankly you know men forever have had families and careers and have only seen their children at the weekends and you know, I can I can see why that works. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that, low. that's a high. Uh, biggest low are the poos. Oh my gosh, my daughter, and I'm so sorry to my daughter if she's listening to this in like 20 years time. Um, but um, honestly, it was incessant. It would it was like eight times a day, and it was leaking out everywhere all the time. Oh and like there'd be days where I just like couldn't leave the changing mat. <laughs> just insane oh and another biggest low sorry to to do two um but another one was uh I told when I told my boss who was a female boss that I was pregnant first time round the response was oh I knew because your face looked fatter charming <laughs> I mean come on women let's be, let's support and pick each other up your, your body just becomes a public property for discussion doesn't it oh yeah, gosh so, yeah. this time around was a lot like oh gosh you got really big very quickly yes I know <laughs> same and I've got no maternity clothes because I didn't buy any last um, time yeah, well, yeah. I mean Alzi and I sitting here in kind of trackies pajamas basically <laughs> <laughs> but Alzi like you biggest high and biggest low my biggest high and low are connected they both happen on the same day so my promotion at work was announced and the same day by chance I told my team that I was pregnant again and so everyone was coming up to me during the day saying congratulations and I didn't actually know what they were congratulating me for in general it was the women saying congratulations on their pregnancy and the men saying congratulations on the promotion the promotion definitely the biggest high but the low came on that day when a colleague of mine came up to me and said, oh, congratulations. Is it twins? 
<laughs> I wish I was 13 weeks pregnant. <laughs> it's women. I told my team and they all died laughing. They thought it was the funniest thing they'd ever heard. I found it a little bit less funny. Luckily, I've got a thick skin so I can laugh at these things. So, yeah, that's my biggest high, my biggest lay. One, two of many. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our new Woman Who Work podcast. Please help us to grow our listenership by subscribing, reviewing and commenting. And please do share with any friends or colleagues who you think may find this useful. Also join us on LinkedIn or sign up to the mailing list on our website www.womanwhowork.uk to ensure that you never miss any of our content. If you'd like to be involved with Women Who Work or have any ideas for us, then please do get in touch on email at hello at womanwhowork.uk. Thanks again.